podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going pretty good. So I watched a wild as shit movie that doesn't quite belong on this podcast, but also kind of does. Okay. So I watched this movie called Frog Dreaming, which was known in America oh. as The Quest. I've seen Frog Dreaming. It's, you've seen it? Yes. It is My fellow, that movie is nuts. I it's one of those movies that after watching it, I wasn't entirely sure that I had seen it. Like, did I hallucinate this experience in its entirety or did I just imagine the kind of movie I thought this was? Okay, so spoilers for Frog Dreaming, so skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to be spoiled by a 31-year-old movie. Um, but the whole thing about the monster's just a steam driver, like a steam engine, mm-hmm. except they also find a skeleton of a man. And that it's, is never resolved. It's just <laughs> like, yeah, there's a man's corpse. <laughs> It's a bit scattershot, isn't it? Like, so wait, was wasn't that kid the one who was in ET? It is. It is the ET child. He is the only actor of note in the entire film. <sighs> Man, that's you know what? Lo, how the mighty have fallen. That's and and the whole like the only American actor as well, and they just do a really quick boy. It's a sure shame that your parents died, and this stranger who is Australian, took you in because you were on a vacation <laughs> trip, distant relative American. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's Australian as hell, which is, this is one of those movies that I feel like if I had seen it as a kid, as with every movie I saw that took place in Australia when I was a small child, I assumed that that was just like documentary footage of what Australia looked like. Yeah, um, and, and we have some Australian listeners, and they're very quick to tell us that we're fucking idiots, and not all of Australia is monster trucks, but their country's uh, grindhouse cinema does not help their case. Oh, no, no. I mean, in fairness, if somebody, if, if all somebody had to go on uh, for the United States was redneck exploitation movies from the 70s, I oh also God. would not. It bl- would be a yeah. nightmare land. I also would not blame them for being like, I will never go to America. That's where the murder. Except happens. that also, as an American who has watched a non-zero number of hours of redneck exploitation, I also <laughs> hate the country I live in. Yeah, it's it's you know you watch. It's funny because like my my uh, my buddy Jess, she's like my Canadian little sister. Um, she's so she's from rural Ontario. And she wants to visit the States, but then she sees anything happen here and is, like, convinced that the moment she steps across the border, she's going to get killed in a mass shooting, like, immediately. As a person who almost slipped on a bullet a la a marble from um, Home Alone (laughs) just the other day, I can tell you, we live in a very scary place. That's that's some Yosemite Sam shit. Like, you just, you, oh, oh, stepped on a bullet, and it's just rolling around on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, do better, folks. Do fucking better. God God damn it, America. Anyway, Umbrella Entertainment sent me the special edition uh, Frog Dreaming Blu-ray. Oh, shit. And the Australian accents are so thick in certain areas, the subtitles just say inaudible. (laughs) 
That's some sad intern doing the closed captioning at Arrow. That was a, that was like a long Thursday night, I think, where they were just like, yeah. fuck it. You know what? Incoherent. That's what you are. Incoherent. Australian gibberish. I'm proud that not only... <laughs> not only was that authentic... <laughs> oh my god. It's the, yeah, the Blazing Saddles, the fucking, the frontier gibberish. That's, yeah, that's yeah. all it is. It's just like, I, I got nothing for you kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <sighs> oh, fuck. And so this was 19- tell me about my best friend's exorcism, Ryan. Oh, all right. All right, all right. So my best friend's exorcism. So I had gone to uh, a reading by Charlie Jane Anders at this place in... California? I forget the name of the place, but uh, I was uh, fucking around in the horror section like you do, and I found uh, a copy of My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix. I knew Grady Hendrix from uh, Paperbacks from Hell, um, because I feel like all of us were issued Paperbacks from Hell in hardcover like a couple of years ago or something. Um, oh, we should, we we were, and we should be. It yes. is a perfect book. It's wonderful. And so uh, I grabbed it because it's got this eye-catching cover that makes it look like uh, a VHS tape with a little horror sticker on it. And it's also, side note, side note here, Quincy, how much of a dipshit would I be if I got the green horror sticker tattoo? <laughs> And and you get a trompe l'oeil so it looks like it's creased just a little bit and unpeeled. <laughs> yes, I get it. I get it to look like it uh, happened on like a dog-eared paperback cover where it's just like horror, like the the lime green. Because I kind of want to get a lime green horror tattoo because that would be the work of under an hour at the tattoo shop, and I would love it. I would like to get if if we're talking about bad VHS sticker tattoos, I think I'd prefer too gory for the silver screen. Oh shit. <laughs> or a video nasty But sticker. that would look like absolute it 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 is so small and smudged that it could not look good as a tattoo. I do not know an artist. Not even a Joe Capobianco would say, Yeah, I'll do that. He would be like, No, that's a terrible idea and it <laughs> will not translate to skin. Even the guy who would give you like the the hatchet man tattoo would look at that and be like, Man, fuck out of here like what are we t- no ab- absolutely not <laughs> no. um but so my best friend's uh my best friend's exorcism is uh a tale it's a it's a novel it's a tale about friendship and demons and it's takes place in 1988 and it is honestly grady hendrix is i think one of the best horror writers i've read in the last few years yeah how the fuck did he write a book that reads like an 80s horror oh, movie. It, it is beat for beat on the nose. Yeah, like it reads like an 80s horror movie, but also it's about fucking friendship. And honestly, the only the only comparable thing I can think of for horror movies that focused on teenage girls like this in the 80s would be Slumber Party Massacre, which, as you know, every entry in that series has been written and directed by women. Um, and it's like one of the... it's it's It focuses on these characters, like they're all in high school, and it's these two characters... Um, who are have been best friends since fourth grade, it will make you cry. Uh, I am about two-thirds of the way through it, and it gets better. And, like, the horror chops, like, it's so... It works as a horror novel. It works as a coming-of-age story. It is... Yeah, and like you said, it's like an 80s horror movie just as a novel, and it's perfect. Yeah, um, so shout-out to Quirk Books. Not only have they comped us a copy of... Um, my best friend's exorcism and paperbacks from hell. They also sent us 
uh, Grady Hendrix's newest novel, uh, We Sold Our Souls. Have you heard about this one yet, Ryan? So this is a thing that... Ha- so uh, I... Literally, Gailey and I were on a, a plane uh, last weekend, and I had gotten uh, my best friend's exorcism, and then they read it on the entire thing on the flight, and then immediately afterward had gotten We Sold Our Souls on uh, ebook, and it's so good. The only problem with buying ebook is that the hardcover, which I'm holding in my hand, has silver inlay occult lettering on the hardback. Oh, see, this is, you know what? This And mm-hmm. the pages are black, Ryan. Oh, see, this is how you get people to buy physical media. Yeah, you make them art objects. Yeah. You do crazy Blu-rays with reverse artwork, and you have occult arcane symbols on your book about a Faustian deal. And the band is called Dirt Work. Dirt D- Work. D-U with an umlaut R-T, W-U with an umlaut R-K. Now, and this is a thing that I'm embarrassed about. If a thing is heavy metal-centric, uh, I will watch it or read it or and probably like it. Like... The movie Trick or Treat, right? Like not the not the anthology one from a couple of years ago that we all love. Trick or Treat. Sammy Kerr ass Trick or yeah, Treat. Yeah, Skippy from Family Ties discovers Satan ass Trick or Treat movie with Gene Simmons as basically Howlin' Wolf, uh, or not Howlin' Wolf? Excuse me, Wolfman Jack. Uh, that movie sucks, but here's the thing: I fucking love Trick or Treat. <laughs> like the music in it is. Pr- Pretty good. But yeah, so we sold our souls by Grady Hendrix. And then he also did Horror Store. Guys, I, and it drives me crazy because yeah. Grady Hendrix on Twitter has like 5,000 followers. He should be destroying the, the horror market right now, and I don't know why he's not. Do you think it's because people chalk him up as gimmicky because every book has like a like a really simple logline? I think it might be. I mean, in fairness, if somebody had said to me, hey, I wrote a book that is a pastiche of 80s horror called My Best Friend's Exorcism, maybe, because initially, honestly, I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you, if it hadn't been for that fucking baller color uh, cover with the, the, the retro VHS thing, I probably wouldn't have gotten it. And and I, I think it's because there was such an overload of sort of um, elevator pitches that you could tell were kind of twee and kind of, haha, it's like you've got mail, but with poltergeists or whatever the fuck. And I feel like that's not even fair to the kind of story this is. Yeah. And and horror and horror store, it, you know, looks like an IKEA catalog. Right. It's fucking terrifying because. It's that perfect, simple idea of, hey, you know what? This store is so prefabricated and creepy. What if it was haunted? And, and you know, <laughs> it's Ramsey Campbell's The Overnight, but in Ikea. Jesus Christ. I cannot wait to read Horror Store. And, like, Grady Hendrix, I, I think it's... He, he made me realize while reading uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism, if you get the emotional core of the book from Jump Street... I will go pretty much anywhere you take me. Like, it, it just make me care about these characters. It makes me think of Poltergeist, right? Like, that scene with the parents in Poltergeist, like, smoking a joint together in their room and giggling and being doofuses. Like, th- it's one of those moments, like, if you give me that, which, okay, yes, I know technically it's considered a save the cat moment, but I'm not referencing that fucking book because it's bad. Um, but... Yeah, like, give me a moment that I can, you know, establish the emotional core of these characters, and yeah, like, it's it's extremely good, so. Yeah. So, 
tell me about the stuff. Holy shit. So the stuff, uh, which is a 1985 movie um, directed by certainly a guy. The stuff is a... a... Leonard Cohen, who's like a... I'm sorry, that's not his name. <laughs> Larry Cohen. but also... Larry Cohen, who is not... <laughs> I heard there was an ancient space that when you that'll, that'll, ate it turned your guts to waste there we go and and <laughs> but you're not really into horror movies are you <laughs> but you don't really care for goopsters do you yeah it's, <laughs> oh my god yeah uh, which now I'm, I'm picturing is like leonard cohen uh doing the soundtrack for the stuff and it's just super like like a like a funeral dirge and it's just very contemplative and sad and also it's about murder pudding Hey, how come Leonard Cohen sounds like that, but is also that good? Like, yeah, on paper, does not add up. That's this is a thing, by the way, that I love about Leonard Cohen is that he's, I think, probably the best lyricist ever, and also he sings like he has been standing in line at the DMV for the last five hours, and he just wants to go home. Um, I very bad singing voice, but also. I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm just like it's a sad thirty-something uh, bastard thing. His singing voice has really grown on me. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely a sad thirty-something mood. Is I'm really into this. <laughs> yeah, Leonard Cohen. Um, which hey, is all. Speaking of sad thirty-somethings, have you seen Pen Fifteen yet? No, I've been wanting to see Pen Fifteen. Fix that shit. That oh, show man. is perfect. Yeah. So they. This is about junior high, I think, right? It is about seventh grade, and um, the two girls play are thirty-year-old actors playing themselves as middle schoolers, and everyone else on the show is a middle schooler. Oh. So you have this thirty-year-old woman with braces and awful uh, nineteen ninety-nine hair acting across from an actual seventh grader. <laughs> Oh my and god. No one is saying this is weird and it's it's great. You know, that's still exactly how I feel when I talk to like a 7th grader because I still have like a, an elemental fear of like 13, 14 year olds because of oh, they're how shitty junior high was. Like I think we're all terrified of, of like 14 year olds. So speaking of body horror, tell me about the stuff oh. I have not seen it oh, yet. Oh man. So you haven't seen the stuff. So the stuff is uh, a creature feature technically from 1985 that is basically it's like uh it's meant to be a criticism of like mass consumer culture and advertising and junk food and basically all right so the plot of the film is uh this fucking this old tiny prospector looking guy in a vacant lot discovers this thick oozing unguent who just goes like oh boy this tastes fucking great like this is the kind of guy who wanders into this puddle scoops out a big goop of it with his uh, middle and forefinger and eat it and apparently it tastes really good so uh, a snacking corporation decides to buy decides to manufacture the stuff um, as it calls the, the goop it is not ice cream or pudding or yogurt. It is fucking. It's a thick boy. It's a real. It's a. It's a. It's a real thick lad. And they start mass producing it, and it's super addictive. And everybody is just eating the stuff. Um, and this guy gets hired by Big Snack basically to investigate the stuff and figure out either what's in the stuff or how to replicate the stuff or like dig up some dirt on the people making the stuff. And he sort of realizes, like, oh, this stuff is addictive and will fucking melt your insides, and it's basically, like, parasitic mind control. Um, 
and there's this kid that's like a ragtag moppet whose family gets killed by the stuff. And the lady who's in charge of the ad campaign uh, realizes, like, oh, no, the stuff is actually very bad. Um, and then they... Uh, now, the important thing about this movie, I don't understand what the director was doing at any step of this movie. Because, like, there are sudden, like, phantasm-ass zooms and weird... Like, every performance in this movie, it's like there was no director on hand that day, so they got, like, a second unit guy to kind of come in and just go, look... Whatever you're thinking you want to do in this role, fucking go nuts. I don't know. You want to do... It's like, I, I want to do kung fu moves. Great. You're the kung fu chocolate chip guy now. That's your thing. That's what you do. Um, this movie is fucking buck wild. I love the stuff. Um, the the main detective... The detective guy, Mo, he gives one... He has one of the weirdest screen presences I've ever seen. It's like Ed Harris on Valium where he's sort of, you know, he's got this weird sang Freud, and he's just kind of, uh, you know, nonplussed by everything, and he's just kind of drifting through the entire movie, but secretly there's a weird menace going on underneath it. And um, now, the important thing here, the, 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 the greatest line reading in this movie, and maybe in any movie, the Moppet, uh, whose family gets addicted to the stuff, and they, they decide to try to make this kid eat the stuff, and they won't leave him alone. And the kid is like, but there's something alive in it. And his dad, who looks like David Hasselhoff, looks at him and just goes, well, there's living stuff in yogurt too, son. It's called benign bacteria. And then he just grins at him, and I we, re, we rewound it three times and could not stop laughing at it. Like, this, this movie is so fucking weird. Like, there are so many choices made at every step of the way, and I don't understand why they did that, but mostly I'm just thankful that they did. Also, who the fuck finds yogurt-like stuff coming out of the ground and says, yeah, let's eat it. That's what I love, is, like, nobody questions shit. Like, it's just, like, the stuff. Um, now, there are a, a number of chase scenes in this thing that are just, like, a slow-moving goop is oozing across the ground toward people, and they're like, <laughs> just, like, jumping up out of the way. It's like, oh, man, you know what it is? It's like body horror at uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, where... It's just like mass hysteria. The military is getting involved, um, and the honestly, the practical effects in this are fucking great. Um, yeah, I, I, I get. We have to talk about Charlie. Oh my god! All right, so man, so chocolate chip Charlie uh, is uh, the ousted. It's like a famous Amos situation, I think. Like he gets ousted from the Cookie Corporation by the stuff, and he's trying to get the thing back. Apparently. According to the IMDb trivia page, uh, this character was initially meant, it was intended for Arsenio Hall. Uh, but instead of Arsenio Hall, they went with this guy, whoever he may be. Um, the unknown. <laughs> because they thought that he would have more star power, I guess, than fucking Arsenio Hall. This is like a couple of years out from coming to America. I don't understand this casting. But yeah, so Chocolate Chip Charlie, um, he is full of the stuff. And it, like, rips its way up out of his gullet, and they make a big, rubbery, uh, pl like, mold of Chocolate Chip Charlie's head. And the stuff just comes pouring out of it. It looks like the tumor scene from Videodrome. Um, it, is, it is a whole lot happening. And that actor is the one who decides that, like, you know what my thing is? Karate chops. My thing is that I am a one-hole kung fu, and I'm going to chop everything. And then his head explodes. What is... What is more overshared on the internet? 
this scene from the stuff or the head explosion from scanners? Scanners. scanners. It's scanners. That. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I, I've seen the scanners maybe three times. I've seen that head explosion more times than I have seen my own mother's face, probably. <laughs> wow, that was a great place to What does my mother that? even look like anymore? I can't tell you. But I can <laughs> it tell looks, you. It looks like a. Mo- <laughs> it looks like a mustachioed bald guy uh, exploding. Um, this- hey, hey. Hey, folks, call your mom. Yeah, guys. It's, <laughs> Pause the podcast, call your mom, tell her hi, and then... <laughs> tell, tell her we said hi, we, she misses you, she wor- she worries about you, you're listening to horror podcasts, so clearly something has gone sideways in your life, call your mom. Um, now, I feel like the stuff, 1985, is trying to say something and just kind of doesn't. Like, it's sort of... I just picture the screenwriter, because apparently the screenwriter wrote it as to be sort of an indictment of... Uh, advertisements or junk food because he was like, well, I mean, you know, there was a bunch of junk food going around at the t- as was the style in 1985, and everybody was eating junk food, and I thought it was bad, so I made a movie. Um, and also yogurt in, like, 85 was kind of like the... It's weird because Big Yogurt won, and in 2019, <laughs> yogurt is, like, what you eat for breakfast, and also the sourer, the yogurt, the better. Mm-hmm. Like... You want those real thick boys, those, oh, yeah. you know, glue your mouth shut, pasty yogurt. <laughs> yeah, you, you want it to smackle your teeth So, like, in 1985, that was unthinkable, and now we're just like, hey, <laughs> I left this milk in the fridge forever, and now I'm going to put some <laughs> berries in it the, and eat it. The yogurt industrial complex claims another victim. I, and I like the yogurt that comes with candy because it oh, tricks yeah. you into eating yogurt because you're like... It's healthy, but yeah. I'm also eating candy for breakfast. And it's like, no, motherfucker, you're eating candy for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, you're eating candy with a yogurt garnish. Like, you're, let's not let's not <laughs> bullshit ourselves. The yogurt is beside the point. You just wanted to eat crushed but up butterfingers. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Um, now this movie has, I would say, a pacing problem and also a tone problem and also an everything problem. And I love this movie. It honestly, <laughs> Quincy, this might be for me the gold standard in. Uh, video store horror that's like this wouldn't have you know set the world on fire in its theatrical release but this is the thing that you see uh, uh, this amazing VHS cover of a guy's head melting uh, on the on the rack you know it's like 1987 and you're like I'm, I don't know what am I gonna rent you're gonna go home with this and it's gonna be great you'll remember nothing from this movie except for the wild visuals um, but there's now there's another line in here that I'm going to think about every day until I die which is, uh, in an effort to fool his family into thinking that he has eaten the stuff, uh, Moppet Kid uh, fills uh, a stuff container with Barbasol, and he's eaten shaving cream in front of his family, and they're like, all right, well, I guess he's eating the fucking stuff, but then they're like, hey, wait a minute, that's Barbasol. I know from being able to clearly smell shaving cream. And the kid uh, escapes and gets picked up by uh, Ed Harris on Valium, and there's a line where the kid is like, well, I've been eating shaving cream, and the guy just goes, well, we all have to eat shaving cream once in a while. And it is the weirdest fucking line of dialogue I've ever heard. But now whenever... That's yeah. patently false. <laughs> At no point have any of us tried to do that. But now anytime somebody complains about anything, back of my mind, I'm going to be like, well, you know, we all have to eat shaving cream sometime. Um, so, yeah. So, I... All right. So, let's... Hmm. Let's rank this movie. So... Body Melt is number 236. Oh, this is way better than Body Melt. 
Um, I, I feel like uh, this is... I used to have uh, a the stuff replica cup that I would keep changing that I got at the full moon uh, tattoo and horror convention. Um, this, I, I feel like this maybe left a little bit more of a mark culturally with horror fans than body melt did. I think you're right. I think body melt, um, although the effects are probably better, um, was a smaller release. So I think it definitely didn't leave the same kind of indelible mark on the, the, Scene. Definitely. Although I gotta tell you, the effects in uh, the stuff pretty fucking good. Like I, I, I also feel so smug anytime somebody uses the uh, the gipple, like the the rotating room that they used in um, Break Into Electric Boogaloo and The Nightmare on Elm Street for the for the uh, dragging uh, Amanda up and down the wall. Um, I they they use it in this movie and it looks fucking incredible. Like the the literal exact same rotating set. Man, can we talk about how great break, the, the Breaking 2 use of the rotating <laughs> room is, though? It's, yeah. Like, in a movie of insane proportions, <laughs> that's just like... It, it, yeah, just yeah. So... It, it holds the high score. I Alright, so if we're going with sort of uh, weird body movies, I also think it's better than Virus from 1999. Oh, for sure. Um, I now, I haven't seen it, and I can still tell you it's better than Virus. Definitely. Now, here's here's the uh, the bottleneck for me, which I think is one of our boss battles on the list that we frequently are like, is it better or worse than this? Uh, Wishmaster at number one twenty nine. I think this movie is not as good as Wishmaster. Now, I want to throw a wrench in your gears. Mm-hmm. You are saying that the stuff is better than Wild Zero. Ooh, also better than Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Yeah. Mm. Also better than you The wanna, Fly. You want to die on wait, this hill? Wait, better than The Fly. No, no. If I ranked the stuff above The Fly, in terms of body horror, but in terms of anything horror, I would demand to be beaten to death uh, as soon as anybody saw me in real life. Um, it's. I do think it's better than Bird Box. Now, what about the remake of It? Ooh, all right. Is it better than It 2017? Uh, no. No, I don't think it's better than It. Do you think it's better than Killing of a Sacred Deer? I do think it's better than Killing of a Sacred Deer because I like Killing of a Sacred Deer, but it's kind of pretentious where the stuff is 100% the thing it is. Like, this could not be more a mid-90s goopy creature feature. So it sounds like the stuff fits at number 151 now, right between it and Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, I felt pretty good about that. All right. So our next movie is The Slayer. Oh, buddy. Holy shit. All right. So The Slayer, I, th- this was, um, tell me, all right. So give give us a plot synopsis of The Slayer from 1982. The, the basic log line is, it's all a crazy dream. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically... Uh, wait, what was the Argento movie that's basically that? I mean, all of them. All of them, them all of them, yeah. <laughs> so shout out to Arrow Video for this Blu-ray, for giving us this Blu-ray review. It looks fantastic. Um, my favorite thing is original mono uh, audio track on a, on a Blu-ray. Oh man, the ADR in this is wild. It's got the most severe soundtrack... And also, that actor who just 
has they cast her I think solely for her eyes and how she just looks severe through the entire film yeah she looks surreal like as a person like I I feel like you you this actor auditions for the part and you're like oh this is gonna be dream logic yeah yeah the whole movie is Sarah Kendall is she's I'm not crazy that most of the movie is Sarah Kendall is a tortured artist and her douchebag boyfriend straight up says, you don't need to take these crazy pills. You need to just go to this island vacation with us so you'll feel better. And they go to like Tybee Island and in wherever Tybee Island is, the Gulf. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, like that guy can, it's when that guy dies, I'm like, good, because you don't yeah. believe in mental health <laughs> yeah, medication. Get, get, get fucked, nerd. I honestly, that guy kind of made me think of Guy from um, Rosemary's Baby a little bit. Yeah. where like And, and yeah. not, obviously, it's terrible because he doesn't, you know, give his wife to Satan. But it's sort of, the, the fact that everything that happens in this, or does it, uh, happens because the guy's like, you know, you don't need to take antidepressants. What if you just, uh, you know, uh, changed up your diet and maybe drink some more kombucha and then just fucking straight murder all the time on this island? And yeah, it, I get feel like murdered, it, you shit fuck. Oh, it's so good. And honestly, it's it's um, I love how much horror goes back to an artist is having a shit time, and so they decide to go and convalesce in a place, and then they carry that with them. I think Hereditary had that a little bit. Yes, Heredity, Hereditary is definitely that. I, I've got to get the big project done. And the, and the big conflict is she's got this art show and she convalesces instead of working on her project. And, and she is inspired by her dreams and everything she paints yep. is her dreams. And, and the yuppie brother who's like your art turned to shit when you got all weird why can't you paint bob ross happy trees like you know i want to put behind my couch you know in my (laughs) which actually i'm I'm kind of pleased that they didn't go with you know you used to write so much better uh before you started taking crazy pills like when you were just miserable and crazy and you know just you would you know it was more real like you're not yourself anymore like I'm, i'm pleased that at least we didn't get that shit yeah I love that this movie takes the beat, follows the beats of a, a, a slasher film, mm-hmm. and then veers so hard off the rails that it's just the wildest ending possible. Well, it, it, it's I feel like it starts out as an early uh, uh, as an early slasher, but it's I feel like it's almost kind of a, a Jalo film wearing a slasher costume. Yeah, it's actually magnificently shot oh as well. it's so pretty like and also uh, aesthetically i'm noticing there is such a huge gulf between the early 80s and the mid 80s like the distance between 1982 and 1985 aesthetically is unbridgeable like i feel like around 1984 everybody just decided like all right let's get rid of, get, let's get rid of all the wood paneling and the shag carpets hey shave your mustache save shave your goddamn mustache and like the 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 main boyfriend in this has a mustache that would have been unforgivable in 1985. Um, so full disclosure, in 1987, 1988, my dad looked like that guy. Hell yeah! And, and this movie gave me weird feelings because <laughs> I'm watching 
my dad from my childhood getting murdered in a movie. Oh shit! See, this is my dad had. Thank had you for a, turning in, tuning into uh, Freud reviews horror movies. <laughs> See, this is my dad had a little Gomez Adams mustache, and that like later on I would look at pictures of him. Like eventually he grew a beard, like which I uh, have seen him as an adult without that beard exactly once. I yelled and told him to never do that again. Um, but yeah, like it, the, the the mustaches in this movie, everybody kind of looks like Sonny Bono. Um, it is shot fucking gorgeously, and the kills are really gnarly to the point where that guy gets killed with those like eighteen fish hooks, and I'm just mm. like, oh fuck, oh fuck, and had to like look away from the screen, which is great for a a ghoul like me to actually still get grossed out by a movie oh yeah i think the scene that grossed me out the most is where um a guy um i think it might have been a dream sequence um a guy gets his head chopped off and then um the wife wakes up and leans over and like oh good morning and like starts kissing the guy who's just like staring forward and then it's like oh no that's a severed head and then she wakes up again he cries blood ryan oh oh my god she smooches him and tear come bloody tears come out of his eyes and she comes away with a mouthful of blood because he just he turns into a gusher like this guy just starts hemorrhaging um and it basically pulls the saint elsewhere ending where it's just sort of like "Mm, what if everything was a crazy dream though yeah but also it kind of works because right before that you get the most gnarly imagery in like emily was making fun of uh, this because she said mm-hmm. that's just a Bobo Crip Keeper. It's not that creepy. But the monster <laughs> is so much more than that. It is like, it's the I. you have to rewind it four or five times to parse it out completely. Yeah. I. So how would, how would you describe the killer in this? It is a critter. Yeah. And not yeah. like the critter's critter, just like it's it's like the litter critter in uh, <laughs> Emily's hometown. It's just this thing. Oh my this god! This thing with teeth. Oh my god! Uh, my, <laughs> I, I've heard about the litter critter. Like that they. Okay, so did we not record an episode about the litter critter? I guess not. If we did, I'm sorry. But the litter critter is a um, Tennessee is a small <laughs> Tennessee town mascot that's just a quote critter unquote that is covered with litter and he goes to the local schools and says don't throw your trash on the ground because it makes me sad kids <laughs> every and that's wake, the litter critter every waking moment of the litter critter's life is agony <laughs> they yes it is their pain. life is a is a montage of nightmares and litter please children release <laughs> the litter critter from this it's hell. like a friendlier version of old Greg. Yeah, where I mean, well, and the way that Katie told it to me was that like they like a lady came in with like a big anthropomorphic litter critter costume and was just like, "Hi y'all, I work down with your daddies at the BPU. Uh, I'm I'm the litter critter. Don't litter." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, that was the entire thing. It was just like, "Hey, I'm the litter critter. Fucking don't litter." And that was that was like, you know, can you imagine? It's like two in the afternoon on a Tuesday, and some middle-aged lady comes in dressed as the litter critter. She's tired. She wants to take her shoes off. Anyway, 
Um, I mean, the litter critter has it rough because litter is everywhere. And and the litter critter is of two worlds because not only is it made of litter, but it despises litter as well. Oh. Litter both fuels and, and spurns it. It it curses the light and goes and curses the it goes without the meat and curses the bread of life. How can you throw away your problems when your hands are also garbage? <laughs> Holy shit, the litter the litter critter is uh trapped in purgatory. Like this is please release the, release the litter critter from this hell. Um so the litter critter is clearly the killer in the slayer. Pretty much. It's a toothy fleshy skeleton guy it's a, with with cheap press-on nails. Yeah, it's a it's a a haint. I kept thinking of it as a haint. Like, you know the thing when you're yeah. just on the island convalescing and you just get beset by a haint? It's it's fucking but it's also, it's epidemic out here. They're convalescing on this secluded island that is a hundred percent not the island with tons of beach resorts that they rented for the weekend as a sort of tax dodge. Mm. It's like I love the idea that the director's like, Well, we gotta film it on this beach resort because I want a beach vacation, and we'll just say it's for our movie. Right, that's when a middle-aged man with a bald spot comes out and just yells, Welcome to Tax Shelter Island! And, well, I mean, <laughs> there's there's kind of a, a I still know what you did last summer vibe with, like, well, this is normally a, a hoppin' resort town, but due to the tropical storms, whole place is fucking abandoned, and you are here by yourselves. Um, the pilot who who drops him off says, You know this is the wrong season to go on vacation. <laughs> There's a hurricane, and they're like, we'll be fine. And yeah, then they're, like, they're most certainly not. And they're like, yeah, whatever, Steve. And then they, and, and this guy, he, he basically functions as a kind of uh, crazy Ralph from Friday the 13th, where he's the one telling him, like, you motherfuckers are doomed if you go to that island. Like, I'm, I'm here to warn you not to do that. And they're like, man, whatever, we're stupid yuppies, and I got a mustache. And then they get their head chopped off. Um... And, and the scene wherein the guy just reads the labels of the entire liquor cabinet for five minutes of the movie. Oh, fuck. I was... Cognac. I, I was on tender Whiskey. Hooks, gripping my couch and starting forward like, yeah, what else we got? Uh, brandy. Apple brandy. And then he opens that fridge of this dilapidated beach house, and it is stocked with fresh fruit. Who is putting that fruit in oh, the fridge, Ryan? Shit, who? Then where did I get the fruit? Like, there's somebody put that fruit in this fucking dilapidated fridge. Oh, fuck. There's... The truth is out there, people. <laughs> Wake up. I'm, I'm just asking questions. Honestly, I there's now, there's obviously the same Tellsworth thing where you can't figure out, like, so the protagonist is seeing things and having dreams. And at the very end, it loops back around on itself and kind of does, like, a time warp thing. Yeah, it's all, the whole thing is Kay says, well, I've been dreaming about this monster, and the more I sleep, the more it becomes real. And then it turns into a precursor to Nightmare on Elm Street, because she's like, I gotta stay awake, and she's mainlining coffee and, like, burning herself with cigarettes, which is very tough to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, so it, it was, so heads up for for those of you who are easily troubled by scenes of self-harm because it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I I I don't want to go into it too much, but I, I had a moment with that where I was like, "Oh, fuck." Like I had it I fast-forwarded through that because it was kind of like, I don't need to see that. 
Um, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, there's that thing where I, I, you know, not two hours prior was watching a guy's head explode with fucking devil yogurt. And that was... That <laughs> and was, that's the bridge too far. That was Jim fucking dandy. But apparently putting out cigarettes on yourself, I, you know, listen, you gotta... We all gotta eat shaving cream sometimes. Um, <laughs> it's... Fuck. Now, I, the, thing I, the thing is, I don't know if this is a good movie. We're all God's litter critters now, <laughs> Ryan. Who mourns the litter critter? Who weeps for the litter critter? I, now, I, I think this is a good movie, and I'll tell you why. Uh, if you like Suspiria and think Suspiria is a good movie, fucking this movie is a good movie. Yeah. Like, if for... you think uh, The Mutilator is a good movie, this is The Mutilator, but somehow more Buckwild. Yeah, yeah. This is The Mutilator with wood paneling. Like, this is, this is if The Mutilator drove a station wagon. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird and early 80s in, in a way that's just so... I don't know, I feel like the color palette also, like, alright, so here's, I, I don't know from, from cameras, did they switch the film stock in between, like, 1982 and 1985, and that's why this looks really washed out, and, for example, the stuff looks really splashy? I don't know. Um, I this mean, movie... there, there's definitely some, some difference in lighting and budget, and, like, I've, yeah. I've not talk to the dp and i don't know <laughs> i also know that from listening to so the wacko uh blu-ray that vinegar syndrome came out uh which i mentioned last week also mm-hmm. has an interview with the director of photography and he explained all the times that he had to explain to Graydon clark that's not how film works <laughs> and the things Graydon clark said do that he's like you can't light with the the monitor it's not true to the film it's gonna look like garbage no great no you you just you can't do that and even 30 years later he's still like tortured by this film because he's like i am a technician i am a artisan and this is just the kind of shit i deal with Graydon clark haunts me like the impossible requests like hey can you light the scene with the blood in your hand by just holding it over a flashlight like yeah i it's it's a lot um this movie is it does a few things that i love which is everything and also the dialogue like i don't know the acting is surprisingly good in this yeah the acting is way better than it has any right to be for a cast that's clearly paid on scale. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, wait, uh, Quincy, what was the Jalo film that ends up with the painting of Purgatory and the lady with the dog on the bridge? Um, you're talking about The Beyond? The Beyond, yeah. This movie had, like, huge The Beyond vibes for me. Yeah. I, I would still say The Beyond is better. Oh, definitely. Because the ending is such a life is fucked and we're all eyeless zombies in hell <laughs> yeah yeah we're all you know when you walk in a closet and it's actually hell <laughs> literal christian hell yeah no that's that ending is very much like taking a long drag on a cigarette how like life wonderful um but so this movie is not as good as the beyond but it is a fucking delight of a movie yeah now, is it better than Graydon Clark's Uninvited, which is another movie where yuppies are out to sea and are killed Ooh. by a monster? Well, no, no here's, here's, here's the question. is So Graydon Clark's Uninvited versus this. Which do we like more, uh, a bone haint or a 
fucking cat who is murdering a boat full of yuppies. Not only a cat, Ryan, a cat inside of another cat. Oh, yeah, excuse me, cat squared. It is It is a cat inside <laughs> a, a, a larger, scarier cat. So I, I feel like between the Slayer and the Uninvited, I want to give the edge to the Slayer, honestly. Yeah, it's it's marginally better made. A little bit. But it... But is it better than Stage Fright? Oh, see, all right, so we're going with, like, uh, pure giallo versus... Or not pure giallo, but, like, sort of purer giallo versus surrealist uh, uh, slasher kind of giallo. Um, I feel like Stage Fright is... We're going to market it as a slasher... I'm sorry. um, mm -hmm. I feel like the Slayer says, we're going to pretend this is a slasher to keep people interested... But we gotta we gotta put that twist in it, right? And the twist leans so hard into it that it like exp almost implodes with insanity. <laughs> Completely agree. So actually, going by that shit, I think that might be better than um, Stage Fright. Okay, but right above Stage Fright oh. is Gremlins Two, and <laughs> I don't think you can out insane. <laughs> That. No, listen, never bring... Gremlins 2 is the gif of that guy spitting his uh, teeth out and lighting his beard on fire. Oh, yeah, just the... Bleh, and just, yeah, lighting it, and just, like, with the crazy eyes. Yeah, never bring crazy to a Gremlins 2 fight. I'm, I actually feel really good about putting um, this in between... So, above stage fright and below Gremlins 2 for uh, the Slayer from 1988... Or, 1982. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Let's do some listener requests. So on uh, our Tumblr at rankandvile.tumblr.com, uh, on Anonymous, we got a few requests. Uh, Quincy, have you seen Perfume Story of a Murderer? No, but I do know it has fucky Alan Rickman in it. It certainly which, does. Which, to be fair, that's a redundancy. Right. We, we all we all want to fuck Alan Rickman. Um. All right, so if you haven't seen that, have you seen Creep Show? Yes, I've seen Creep Show. Wait, yeah. have you seen Perfume? Oh yeah, I've seen Perfume. Well then, you can rank Perfume. Okay, so um, you're familiar with the con the conceit of Perfume, right? It's a a guy solves crimes with his with his nose, right? No, no, no. This is um, this is a. You mean it's not Sherlock with a schnoz? <laughs> It is not. I've Sherlock lived my Sons. whole life thinking perfume was Sherlock, but he sniffs. It's just he's like a Great Dane. Like he just enters every room, nose to the carpet, sniffing furiously. <sighs> ah, I smell a murder. I smell cr just yeah, muffled into the carpet. Jacques, and he's just yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah. So perfume story of murderer is a. Uh, it's it's I, I guess a horror movie. It's a murder movie certainly about uh, there's a, a weird. Uh, fucked up looking kind of chinless French guy in the 19th century who is a perfume maker and he becomes obsessed with uh, making a perfume that is a perfect distillation of a human being and so you know he so like you know sort of falls in love with a woman and like tries to dis like distill her essence into a perfume and uh, he uh, kills the shit out of a bunch of people and Alan Rickman was gonna like sentence him to to uh, murder, but listen. The important thing about Perfume Story of Murderer, there is a giant orgy scene because the um, perfume the perfume murderer 
um, makes a uh, perfume that's basically everybody gonna fuck, and he wafts it over a crowd, and what ensues is a giant orgy scene on screen, and then eventually Alan Rickman, uh, he kills Alan Rickman's daughter, and Alan Rickman is about to sentence him to death, and then he wafts a thing that is made from uh, his own daughter's essence, and he collapses, like, clutching the killer's knee, whispering, forgive me, my child. Um, so, it's great. I really like perfume. How great is it, Ryan? Perfume is not... All right, so I, I, I like it a lot, but it's not... I mean, I don't know. It's as... I, I don't What's know. the better fridge pervert movie? Hellraiser 4 or Perfume? Oh, shit. I tell you what, between Hellraiser 4... Um, which is, uh, as you know, um, f- in between 18th century France and space. <laughs> um, as any proper uh, French <laughs> period piece is. Yeah, I feel like I'm putting Hel- uh, I'm putting this a little bit above Hellraiser Bloodline. However, I will be goddamned if I rank Perfume's uh, Story of a Murderer above Hello Mary Lou Prom Night 2 at number 159. Oh, for sure. Um... Is Hellraiser better than Jack Frost? No. <laughs> no, because I can remember anything about Jack Frost where Hellraiser Bloodline, I'm like, oh, baby Adam Scott, and also Space, and that's it. And there's that's weirdly unevent for a movie as on paper buckwild as as Hellraiser Bloodline, kind of boring. Prom Night 2 is number 159. Mm-hmm. Jack Frost is number 161. Mm-hmm. You'd say it's better than Jack Frost? Yeah, actually, I would say it's better than Jack Frost, but not as good as Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Okay, so that's <coughs> number 160. Yeah. Now, the next movie is um, Creep Show. Mother Scroll f- to the top. Motherfucking Creep Show. Um, so, I don't know if our listeners. So, uh, one of our sponsors, uh, Shudder. Sh- uh, sh- hi, guys. Uh, are about to have a uh, Shutter TV show that's going to be streaming hyped. on Shutter. So hyped! So holy fuck, I love Creep Show. So Creep Show was written by Stephen King and directed by George Romero. Is Creep Show? I'm going to just go for it. Is Creep Show better than the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Oh man! Well, here's the thing. Which of them have I seen more? Rocky Horror Picture Show. Which of them is probably better? Creepshow. Because, uh, honestly... Now, alright, so Creepshow, for those of our listeners who may not have seen it, is uh, an anthology horror movie uh, where it's, like, sort of riffing on... um, It was, like, Tales from the Crypt before Tales from the Crypt, right? Where it's, like, EC Comics, and uh, it's... um, The the storytelling device is that it's, like, a young boy in his room who's not allowed to read scary stories, and um, there is a segment in here where Leslie Nielsen plays the baddie, and it is perfect. And, and, and Ted Evil De- Crabs. Oh. Hey, quick question. Mm-hmm. Are these... So the Slayer also has crab actors, like literal <laughs> crabs eating a body. Crab actors. And I want to know, are these union crabs? <coughs> uh, do these crabs get paid scale? Did a crab wrangler have to be on set? Or did they mm-hmm. show up on a beach and just work with who showed up? That's a, great, a cattle call of crabs. That's a great... I had the same question about I Know What You Did Last Summer with like the crabs in the guy's body. Where yeah, like yeah, yeah. Are, are these trained? Are these Hollywood crabs? Like or are they crab scabs? You know, non-union <laughs> crabs. Crab scab crabs. Yeah, they're they're crab scabs. Yeah, like they're you know they were initially gonna have like uh, a sea cucumber and some lobsters, but then you know there were disputes with the guild, so they just brought in these fucking scab crabs to scuttle around. 
Um, it's it's <laughs> honestly Leslie Nielsen in that segment is wonderful because it's like the the name of the segment, and I'm I'm not gonna go through every segment in the in Creep Show, even though it's um perfect and I love it. Uh, the the segment something to tide you over where um, he kidnaps Ted Dan- uh, Leslie Nelson kidnaps Ted Danson and another actor whose name I certainly remember uh, and she and Ted Danson have been um, having an affair and she has been cheating on Leslie Nielsen so Leslie Nielsen uh, buries both of them up to their neck uh, in the the sand right before where the surf breaks on the beach and then it's like if you can hold your breath for long enough. Every time the ocean washes over you, you could get out of this because you can't move until the ocean kicks up the sand. Um, and it is, first of all, like blood freezing, but also Leslie Nielsen is so fucking perfect as an evil yuppie. Yeah, you'd never have figured that out. Isn't there like, uh, I don't know if this is apocryphal or corroborated, but... Isn't there a story that Leslie Nielsen had a fart machine on set? Yes, and he would every single time, right before the director, like right before George Romero said action, he would make a fart noise and make Ted Danson have to try to do the scene while keeping a straight face. <laughs> I love Leslie Nielsen so History's much. History's greatest monster, Leslie uh, Nielsen. Truly. Um, fuck, I love Creepshow. I should right. have been a pair of ragged headshots scuttling <laughs> across the floors of silence. <laughs> that, was, that was really T.S. Eliot yelling in the Leslie Nelson voice, I can hold my breath for a long time. Um, so, all right, so here's my question. We have lingered in green rooms <laughs> in the sea. <laughs> I have heard I've heard the crab scabs scuttling each to each. I do not think that they will laugh for me. <laughs> I have measured out my life in widescreen TVs. Um, right, so I... All right, all right. So here's my question for you. Is Creepshow better or worse than Eraserhead? Um, it can't be as good as Eraserhead. Agree. I mean, I, I love it, but... <sighs> Yeah, yeah. All right. So, is it better or worse than Hocus Pocus? Um, ooh, it's very comparable to Hocus Pocus. Is it better than Hereditary? I feel like Creepshow is not as good as Hereditary. Yeah. Oh man, right, but so it's better than what we do in the shadows, right? It actually, yeah. If we're going with sort of um, horror comedy, um, because a lot of a lot of Creepshow is sort of like wacky horror comedy um, yeah because you have the whole um stephen king as jordy billy turning to plants yeah poor poor jordy yeah and which he honestly is perfect in that role as like this rube who gets uh infected by alien moss that covers everything i also love that stephen king wrote that short story that it's based off of. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, Creepshow, and, and this is a thing, all right, so before we rank this, there's a thing that I want to ask you. Why, can you think of any other genre that does anthology movies the way horror does? No, the only thing close is um, the Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve franchise. 
Yeah. I, honestly, and those because, movies are also kind of terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the only other one that I can think of for, like, non-horror anthology movies would be Jim Jarmusch's Coffee and Cigarettes, and even that isn't really an anthology. It's a series of Yeah, or Paris Tom, except it doesn't count because it has a horror segment. Exactly. Like, I honestly, I feel like horror kind of has the corner on the market for anthologies. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of also... So I would say Creepshow should be at number 33. Yeah, above what we do in the shadows at 34 and below Hereditary at number 32. Thank you guys so much for the requests. Um, if you have any more requests, you're going to want to send those to either rankandvilecast at gmail.com or uh, put them in our ask box on Tumblr at rankandvile. Uh, Quincy, where else can our listeners find us on the internet? We have a YouTube playlist horror tie-in raps. You can find our account on YouTube at Rankin Vilecast. Um, and we are also on Instagram at Rankin Vile, just regular old Rankin Vile. And um, Twitter's mostly where you want to find us. Yeah, we, we lurk on Twitter a lot. Um, if there are any, um, listen, if you have any friends who are uh, horror creators or you are a horror creator, um, get at us. We would love to either interview you or have you on the show or generally just i don't know I, I love that we're part of a horror community generally and i would love to i i think we have plans to start writing more long-form pieces and start engaging uh in the rest of the horror community a little more aside from just doing our podcast all right uh, i think that's all we got you got anything else stay spooky y'all later folks <laughs>